Chapter Four of the Garden God, a tale of two boys by Forrest Reed. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter Four. Graham lay upon his back, his eyes wide open. All around him, he could hear the silence. A silence broken every now and again by some faint sound from one or another of the boys who shared his dormitory. It was more than an hour since the lights had been put out, and all save himself were fast asleep. But he lay awake still, thinking of the afternoon that had just passed, and of that strange emotion it had swept into his life. He wondered how it could have come about, and he pondered old tales he had read, some of them long ago, tales of a pagan world, in which this wonderful passion of friendship, then so common, had played its part. Returning to him now, they wore a new and added beauty, a meaning he had only dreamed before but which at present filled his mind with a kind of heavenly radiance. Might not his own friendship be just the same? Might not it, too, be something more than a mere romantic reverie, than the shadow of a beautiful dream? He felt an exquisite happiness in giving way to his tenderness, in letting his imagination run on and on, like a swift, strong river, and an ever-changing dream of love. It was as if by merely stretching out his hand, he had touched the poetry, the soul of existence. It was as if by stretching out his hand, he had awakened another spirit to beat its wings within his own. Spirit of beauty, that dost consecrate with thine own hues all thou dost shine upon. So he might have sung, had he known the lines. For he felt himself raised up, as on the strong swift wings of the morning, lifted to the very gate of heaven. It was on such a love as this that the platonic philosophy had been built. And now, now in his own life, it had come true, fair and pure and holy, down from the garden of God. It had fallen into his soul, had poured through the open gates of heaven to bathe him in its light. He turned upon his pillow and smiled. He stretched out his arms wide to the great fragrant Mother Night, and she bent down over him, cool and dark and silent, and kissed him softly on his forehead and his mouth and eyes. He could not sleep. A strange restlessness, a spirit in his feet, seemed to draw him from his bed, and leaving his cubicle, he stood in his nightdress on the cold floor. A flood of moonlight lay across the room. 
and he watched it falling through the air, a silent, rapid stream. How still everything was! How light! Softly, softly, on tiptoe, he made his way to the window, and climbing on a chair looked out. In the grounds it was light with that same cold light, clear yet not clear, earth and sky seeming to be blended in one strange misty radiance, pale, bluish, almost white. And the moonlight lay, still and dreamy, everywhere, more tangible yet more shadowy than the light of day. If one stretched out one's hands, one might almost feel it, he thought, might almost brush it away like a great white silky cobweb of woven flame. The stone gable of the house stood out sharply black against the sky, and the shadows on the grass were black as ink. Above the long row of still and leafless trees, he saw the belt of Orion, and to the right of that the white, broken moon faintly edged with blue. It was like the dawning of some wonderful icy day upon an unexplored, a new and mysterious world, and through the cold, misty light he half expected to see the moving forms of those who live in the unknown. He did indeed see a figure, a figure coming toward him, stepping slowly down a wide silver stair that reached from heaven, a figure clad in fair armor and with dark hair floating out against the stars. He was calling to him from without. He beckoned with his hands. He waited, waited. A shudder ran through Graham's body. He seemed no longer to be in the dormitory, but to stand somewhere beyond the gates of death. He clasped the bars of the window with his hands. He leaned against the iron bars. Then he opened out his arms wide and smiled. What are you doing? It is Graham! It was Brucklehurst's voice. His cubicle was next the window, and he had been awakened. Uh, nothing, nothing, Graham answered, startled, turning quickly round. I was uh, looking out. I forgot. Why are you not asleep? He went over to his friend and sat down by his side. Brocklehurst had already cuddled under the clothes again. I was asleep until you wakened me. Why are you not in your bed? he whispered. Why were you standing there? What a mad thing to do at this time of year. You might kill yourself. Oh, I don't take cold easily. I suppose I wasn't thinking of what I was doing. 
you should have put on your dressing gown you are only in your nightdress at first i thought you were walking in your sleep you look like a white ghost there at the window you will catch your death of cold now if you stay there come in here beside me if you want to talk graham got into the bed i was thinking of you he said softly you're a very strange fellow aren't you brocklehurst murmured yes i suppose so hush speak lower if you were caught here with me you know there'd be a most frightful row what were you looking at out of the window i don't know i seem to see what i can't tell you i almost forget you must tell me it was a knight uh, a young knight in armor out there on the grass it was you i know there wasn't really anything there he added hastily only the light of the moon on the ground and all that you told me this afternoon it too was nothing yes yes it was some day i will tell you all about it from the very beginning but not now it would take too long you see i was so very much by myself before i came here i had no one and and i could not help speaking to you this afternoon you don't understand how how much it is all a part of my life how much it means to me he broke off abruptly and for a little brocklehurst said nothing tell me about what you used to do at home if you don't mind he whispered presently then he lay still listening to a rather broken and wandering story which very soon he grew too sleepy to follow you had better go back to your own bed now he murmured drowsily it wouldn't do for you to drop off asleep here don't make any noise some other chap may be awake graham rose obediently but he still lingered in the cubicle held by a vague yet very strong desire desire to unburden himself of that which filled his soul and which a feeling of shyness kept locked up in his breast then suddenly he overcame his cowardice and kneeling down on the floor beside the bed he kissed his friend as he lay there half asleep that was all 
he could not have spoken if he tried to. Even as it was, his eyes were wet with tears. But he felt a kind of ecstasy of happiness as he stole back to his own bed. For it seemed to him that just then, when his lips had touched Harold's cheek, he had given himself to him for better or worse, had given him his life, his trust. In the morning, he knew, all would be a little different. In the morning, he would have to come back to an everyday world. But he should be no longer alone there. Oh, he should never be alone again. With his face buried in his pillow, and his cheeks still a little damp, he prayed that all might be well, prayed that Harold might come to care for him, and day was breaking when at last he fell asleep. End of chapter 4